0: Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Talking with you till noon, so 52 minutes left, and then uh, we are afternoon on a Sunday, right? Uh, it is Joe Beamer with you, and we have Erie County Clerk Mickey Kearns joining us this segment. Mickey, good, uh, good morning. Long time no talk. Good morning, Joe. Uh, those Paula Donuts do uh, sound really, really good. They do, but, you, you know, I love a good Paul's donut, but I have to say, I think people are underselling their bagels. Their bagel sandwiches are the best bagel sandwiches in Western New York.
4: They are excellent, and it, it, like you said, it's one of our important businesses, and it's something that we all want to make sure that as we get back to normal, that we can go out and, and enjoy those companies of people, especially
0: our donuts. Yes, 100%, Mickey. I agree. I, You know what? I can't wait. I might get a Paul's donut on the way home, now just talking about it. Uh, right now
4: I'm in front of Paul's donuts right now in my car. <laughs> after I heard that, I wanted to get one. So when I'm off the air, I will have a Paul's donut.
0: It's, I'll, I'll tell you, it's one of those things about Buffalo. We have, I think, the greatest selection of food in the entire world. I mean, you can get whatever you want, and you can get the best of it right here in Buffalo. I agree. I agree. Mickey, tomorrow, the Eastern Hills DMV reopens. You had a ribbon cutting on Thursday or Friday. Uh, Tell us about this opening and what we can expect if we go visit.
4: Sure. Wednesday, it was Wednesday, Joe. We held a grand preview of our Erie County Auto Bureau office inside the Eastern Hills Mall. Uh, We closed our previous location there uh, due to COVID-19 in about March of 2020. And if you've ever been there before, you know it's a very busy office. It was the best-kept secret for a while. But soon, that's an office that only had four windows, and we were doing over 300 transactions. We had consistent volume there. So we knew we had a change, and the new office is going to feature a larger customer area uh, to accommodate proper social distancing. And then, of course, uh, we've got protective glass shielding, an updated design to more efficiently serve our customers, Expanding tested area—that's very important because, as you know, during COVID-19, the CDL is very important to make sure that we have proper testing to get, you know, from farm to grocery store, most of those uh, important products. And then, of course, we're going to have additional customer service windows to serve more customers. So, all of that is very important to our customers and our staff. And we'll have in-person transactions starting tomorrow at nine to five. And of course, we're encouraging everyone to. Uh, make an appointment. It's very easy. We have same-day appointments at erie.gov slash clerk
0: slash Auto Bureau. I'll tell you, that was the best-kept secret for a while. If you wanted to go to the DMV, you went to that one in in the Eastern Hills, but unfortunately, uh, too many people caught on. And this will be uh, exactly where the former one was located? No. it's When we're talking
4: about food, um, when you come in, it's behind um, uh, Duff's, chicken wings. So once again, it's all food all the time here in the <laughs> clerk's office. So that entrance right there, the Duff's entrance, when you come in, uh, we're, uh, you come up, you walk right by Duff's, and uh, we're the
0: second storefront right near the food court. All right, so not the one by Dipson. This time it's you get your wings or you go to the DMV and then you get your wings. Uh, now you said you're encouraging people to make appointments online. Are you accepting walk-in uh, traffic at the DMV again?
4: Well, like some counties do, uh, we are going to stay with the all appointment system. And what we've done is, uh, of course, we have many people that uh, sometimes make an appointment. We do handle people uh, that don't have access to the Internet services. We have an outreach center that handles our seniors or maybe someone who doesn't have uh, access to the Internet at 858 But, Joe, uh, we have and we planned uh, same day appointments available for people. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to run. The, uh, DMV like a business. I, I treat it like a business. Uh, you go to the doctor's office. You just don't walk into the doctor's office. You make an
0: appointment. And we're getting people in and out now in an average of nine minutes. Awesome. That's great. So the, the days of getting a number and sitting there staring, waiting for your number, even after the pandemic, are gone at the Erie County DMV? I believe so. And we understand, you know, when I became clerk, uh, this was going to
4: be the test site of our first-ever reservation-only branch. But, of course, we know uh, COVID-19 hit, and that sort of changed our plans. But we work with people. We want to get people ready. If they're ready before they come into the auto bureau, uh, we're going to get them prepared. We're going to go out into the community once again, our award-winning outreach program. Uh, And if they make a reservation, they can really have a pleasant experience. Uh, Of course, there are going to be people that uh, may walk up, and we do uh, accommodate them, uh, by making a same-day appointment, and we do handle that. But uh, we want everyone to have an appointment because uh, it, it will give you a positive experience. And when I talk to people, I just talked to someone the other day, a senior citizen, and he went on and he said it wasn't really hard to do. So once again, if you go to erie.gov slash clerk slash and then we'll have QR code scanners throughout the county uh, in countywide buildings, that you'll be able to scan that. We're going to help you get in and get out. And that's the future, Joe. I mean, I'm looking to approve the appointment system. We will have a new appointment system going forward in the future. And uh, it's just the way things are going to be if we want efficient customer service. And we want to make sure that we're predictable and we get people in and out because we are competing with the state. And the state is encouraging people to go online. If they do go online, two things happen. One, we don't receive that 12 and... 0.75% transaction but unfortunately I get many many phone calls from people and they say hey I registered online where is my registration I cannot help you that you if you go into the black hole of albany I can't help you it is forgotten it is lost there is nothing we can do if you come into the auto bureau and you work with us I have access and control over that information I'll be able to help you so that's what we're looking to do we're trying to get people to come in and renew local. And we're going to have an extended extended program. We had our great partner. Uh, we had Scott Bieler, our great philanthropist from Wester. We're doing uh, nearly 50,000 transactions, one of the largest car dealers in the state of New York. So we're very appreciative of, of them being our partner at the Erie County Auto Bureau.
0: Now, you know, people are are finally starting to move around again, get back to their regular routines uh, as vaccinations are up, as we uh, ease the restrictions. And people may have the question. Now, of course, they're going to go online and look look at this. Um, They might have the question, are the DMVs I knew in February 2020 still there? So are all the DMVs that were open before the pandemic, obviously the Eastern Hills one has changed, but are they all still open and ready to take your appointment online?
4: So here's where we're at. Uh, so this is the first, uh, one of our satellites. So we do have our main facilities, uh, in Chitawaga, uh, downtown and at the South gate. Now we're bringing on Eastern Hills mall, uh, starting on Monday. I have a request for a uh, proposal, uh, because of COVID restrictions, we can't go back to the Evanstown hall. So our Southern region, uh, DMV will be coming on board. And then our last, uh, Component to this, which is really important, is our satellites. Uh, we'll be going to Grand Island, uh, Hamburg, uh, all throughout the county, our southern part of the county, Boston probably. So we're getting there. Uh, you know, we have a wide footprint, and of course, you know, when you're talking about the Eastern Hills Mall, you know, it serves Akron, Alder, Amherst, Bowmansville, Clarence, Lancaster, Newstead, and Williamsville. Uh, that alone is 66,000 transactions. Now, if we look at the southern part, you're talking about. You know, Buffalo, West Seneca, Hamburg, um, Boston. You know, we are a very important component of county government. As I said, uh, we had, you know, there was a $5 million surplus in Erie County. And uh, coincidentally, uh, the Erie County DMV clerk's office had nearly a $5 million surplus. Now, that's a good thing. We partner, we work together uh, as a team. But we're a very, very important part of Erie County. And we want to make sure that we have uh, convenient, efficient service services for our customers.
0: Mickey, last time we talked to you, we talked about the zombie properties. And uh, any update on how that is going uh, here in Erie County?
4: Sure. Um, we're going to have a, a major announcement coming in June. Uh, we're going to be bringing together uh, many, many people. Uh, there will be an important announcement in June. Uh, we are facing, because of COVID-19, a possible Uh, crisis that we haven't seen. Back in 2008, when we had the housing crisis, um, the numbers that I'm seeing are uh, really, really uh, terrifying when I think about the number of people that could face um, uh, foreclosure. So we're preparing for that. That's something uh, that I'm doing. I'm working with our partners at the Western New York Law Center, our municipal leaders, our code enforcement officers, uh, and banks to make sure that you know, we're prepared for that. It's just like a snowstorm. We're going to have a, an announcement on that. But one of the things we've advocated, uh, going back to the time I was in Albany, is contact information. And the foreclosure begins in the clerk's office. Uh, it's called the Liz Pendant. And when that's filed, um, because of Albany, I have to give them a lot of credit, very, very positive. Uh, they listened to us, and they were able to pass legislation where when someone files a foreclosure... The bank and service provider has to provide that contact information. So now going forward, as the Erie County clerk, I sent a letter out to all the law firms that do the majority of this work. If they do not comply with the law, I am not accepting their filing in the clerk's office. And that'll be a positive thing because we want to work together. We want people to comply with the law. So, you know, the important thing is, is if you are facing crisis, if you are facing a foreclosure... Call me directly. You can call me at 858-6985. But please do not ignore the warnings of foreclosure. Um, there is help out there for you. There is no income restrictions, and we want to we want to be helpful. I was with the Clarence uh, supervisor the other day, and he reminded me of the $500,000 zombie in Clarence, New York, that we were able to get back on the tax rolls, and recently it sold for over a million dollars. So in this. A economy where people are looking for a home and the inventory is tight this is going to be a very very important issue going forward
0: and mickey there's also a number for people if in their neighborhood they notice a zombie property correct if they need to report uh, something starting you know some a vacant home that is starting to really bring down the neighborhood
4: yep you can always call 858-8864 at our outreach center or you can always email me Uh, of course at erie.gov we want to be helpful uh, and it's important because as you said identification of the property we work uh, with the state and in in order to keep these uh, mortgage uh, mortgage servicers in compliance in many instances what we found out Joe is we, we we started the Erie County foreclosure foreclosure task force and some of these banks were not aware that their uh, mortgage service providers were not complying with the law. They thought we just assumed they were billing us that the work is being done, the grass is being cut, uh, that the house was being maintained. So uh, communication is the key and providing solutions in government, and that's what we're all about uh, at the clerk's office. We want to make sure that people have those solutions, and we want to be helpful. Uh, it's a very, very important office because without that, opening during COVID-19. I know the governor shut us down, uh, our auto bureau. We went to curbside service. Uh, We would have lost millions of dollars of revenue. And unfortunately, taxes would have gone up.
0: Now, you know, people getting back to normal, we're talking about the easing of restrictions. And people might start thinking about that out-of-country trip, but they got to update that passport, Mickey. Do you have any uh, advice for them?
4: Sure. So the real ID deadline, you and I talked about that. That has been extended until May 3rd, my birthday. What a great birthday uh, present, 2023. And um, we all know the REAL ID uh, was uh, put, thrusted upon us because of 9-11. And when terrorists attacked our country, uh, Congress passed the law, the REAL ID Act, that would require that everyone would have to have a federal identification to either get into a federal building or board a plane domestically. So you can have a real ID that's been extended, as I said, or a U.S. passport. I encourage everyone: uh, if you have a valid passport, um, the passports are $155 for a passport book, uh, $85 for a passport card. That will suffice if you're getting on a plane. But there is a four to six-week window, so it's not you're not going to have that turnaround that you're having uh, at the other bureau. Once again. Um, that is a federal ID that you're talking about when you're talking about a passport. So I've got people that have called my office, and they said, well, what do I do? We do have an outreach center at the Southgate Plaza that can be reached at 858-8864. Uh, many don't think about their children, that they got their passport uh, a few years ago. Now their children are over the age of 16. They have to get another passport. So they have to do that. Uh, we can help answer those questions. We take walk-ins at all times, uh, Monday through Friday uh, from 10 to 4 at 858-8864 at the South Gate, Or we have people available downtown uh, at the clerk's office, and we'd be happy to answer your question regarding passports. So, Joe, you're absolutely right. People need to start thinking about this, and they need to start preparing because uh, passports are a four- to six-week wait to get those turned around, even if you're traveling, even if you're on business, very important business, it's going to take some time to turn this around, to even get that expedited.
0: I've got one last question for you, then you can get that Paula's donut. And this is something that I, I haven't seen a lot of news on lately, and maybe it's because of the pandemic or, or maybe nothing has happened. Uh, but have there been any changes in the process of getting pistol permits?
4: Yes, it, it's, it's really important. Uh, As I said, you know, during the pandemic, uh, it really changed how we've done business uh, during uh, the, you know, how we conduct business, not only in the private sector, but I took it as an opportunity to reinvent government. We can reinvent our policies and our processes. And one of the things I wanted to do is we have to bring certainty in uncertain times. We don't know what the future holds. God forbid we don't want a COVID-20, but we've changed the process where people have mailed in their pistol permits. And, Joe... We went from an average of 2,200 pistol permit applications up to 7,500 pistol permit applications. Well, how did we handle that? Uh, we worked with our sheriff, Sheriff Howard, who was an excellent supporter of the process and making sure that he put additional staff on the issue and on the problem. We worked with the judge who works very hard, Judge Bowler, to make sure he, him and his staff would get through those applications. And we changed how we do business. We've merged departments we merged our actions and proceedings with our um, pistol permit office. And what we're looking to do is we're looking to bring technology to the process and we're looking to make sure that we bring certainty. And, you know, a process that used to take 18 months, uh, we can get that turned around in three to four weeks. But here's what I'm encouraging people to do. If you're thinking about getting a pistol permit, um, you can always call us once again at 858-8864. Uh, we can walk you through that process but think it through um, and think about uh, what you're going to need. And the one thing that comes up is that uh, there may be something that someone did in their past, um, something as small as a teenager, and it catches people up, Joe. It catches people up, and they have to get a disposition. If you uh, forget that, and even if it was a sealed record, and you do not uh, notify us on that application, the judge is going to, that's an automatic denial. So if you're thinking about that, and you're going to take a class, Uh, once again, um, you know, think about the importance of your Second Amendment. But my job has been and it's worked is to make sure that we make this process as open and transparent and as efficient as possible. And we've done that, even handling over 7,000, 7,200 applications in a normal year where we normally get 2,200. So the pistol permit process has changed. It used to be you could file your application and then get your fingerprints, uh, your identification, so they can do that mental health check on you. Now, prior to filing the application, you have to file the fingerprints and get those done prior to the submission of the application. And working with our great team, it's, it's really worked, Joe. Uh, we've really seen, this is one part of our operations where once again, whether it's the Auto Bureau, whether it's pistol permit, or whether it's the $2.2 billion of real estate we did during the pandemic, The Erie County Clerk's Office, um, not because I am the clerk, and I will make this statement, if someone can prove to me it is the most important office uh, in Erie County because it is the business office of Erie County, and we provide the revenue that keeps the engine going in Erie County Government.
0: Erie County Clerk Mickey Kearns, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks, Joe. I'm eating the donut right now. (laughs) Enjoy the donut. Enjoy it, Mickey. Erie County Clerk, Mickey Kearns. When we come back, Brian Mazarowski sat down with State Senator Rob Ort. We will play that back, as well as clips from Dr. Rochelle Walensky talking to Martha Raditz this morning. We'll play clips from that interview as well. It's Hardline on WBEN.
2: Welcome. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's... They're guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
3: All Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?
0: back to Hardline here on News Radio 930. WBEN, Joe Beamer with you at the top of the hour. Meet the Press will take over here on WBEN. If you missed any of Hardline, you can find today's show and previous shows at WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. On Friday, Brian Mazurowski uh, talked with
5: Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort. Here is that interview on WBEN. Joining us right now, though, is Rob Orr, State Senate Minority Leader, to talk about the state of New York. Rob, thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me, Brian. Good
5: morning. Hey, uh, Looking around the country, right, especially after yesterday, more and more states announcing an end to either COVID restrictions outright or the mask mandate indoors or outdoors. Leaving New York is one of only, by my count, six states that have yet to put either a date or a criteria on when COVID restrictions are going to come to an end. And what we want to know is what is the discussion like right now in Albany to put any sort of pressure on the governor to make that distinction of when the restrictions come off?
1: Well, the only, I guess, the only discussion going on is amongst uh, the Republican senators and republican assembly members uh to my knowledge there is still no uh effort no desire uh by the part of the senate democrats the assembly democrats the majority parties to put pressure on this governor i mean we we've been having you and i and, and many folks have been having this discussion for the better part of a year the idea that you know why is the legislature not raining some of these executive orders in? Why isn't there more pressure to move the state back towards reopening? Uh, we've allowed this governor to basically run the state single-handedly. He continues to do so, by the way. Uh, and the legislature has been really just totally weakness, uh, weak, weak and feckless uh, as it relates to the pandemic, managing the pandemic. We've been content to let him uh, run the state by himself for the past year, and I don't think that's going to change uh, at this point. I see nothing from my colleagues across the aisle other than, a, a, you know, they, they passed the order to um, – uh, the resolution to rescind the executive order uh, that made you buy food with a drink, right? That was we, – we did pass that. That was a good thing. That was something our conference called for for many weeks. And then when he thought they were going to uh, get rid of the curfew – he got rid of the curfew himself. Uh, but no real pressure at this point, and I don't expect uh, – I expect this to be one of the last states at this point to reopen.
5: Oh, already are. Uh, judging by the map that I'm looking at uh, provided by the New York Times, as mentioned, New York, one of only six uh, across the country. And let me make sure, yes, yeah, six states across the country. One of those is Wyoming. I don't know if that counts. Um, that has not put a date. <laughs> Or criteria set on uh, lifting all the COVID restrictions. And, and, you know, what we've heard from lawmakers on the other side of the aisle is kind of what you laid out, that there is really no appetite to challenge any of these restrictions, to move toward opening up or even set a date or criteria on that. And and there really seems to be this, uh, it's risk avoidance, um, you know, so to speak, uh, that People are afraid to, even if it's not really going out on a limb, uh, to proverbially go out on a limb and say, hey, maybe this is the right step to be taken. Instead, it seems like everybody is all too easily uh, swayed to defer, defer, defer to somebody else, to a health department, to, you know, we'll hear experts or doctors as if, you know, there is one expert or doctor, just like a, a no-named, as if there's a body of experts out there somewhere that's, uh, you know, making all these decisions. Have you noticed that? And is there in your mind kind of this culture amongst people in charge right now to look for somewhere, someone or somewhere else to make that tough decision to find that balance between reopening and doing things safely?
1: Well, unfortunately, you probably just described, uh, you know, the New York state legislature uh, and probably uh, a lot of uh, legislatures uh, when you talk about risk aversion. I mean, if you're looking for, you know, uh, uh, a lot of political courage right now, the New York state legislatures, uh, certainly amongst the Democrats, would not be a bastion of, uh, of political courage or, or risk taking or any kind of leadership. Um In my time there, it's always been a risk-averse kind of a place. Uh, And and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they are content to defer to so-called experts when the reality is, but let's be honest, no one is an expert with this because it's a new virus. It's a novel coronavirus, right? We don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, we've learned a lot about it over the last year. But to some extent, the public has learned as much as, some of our "quote unquote" health experts, because we're all sort of learning uh, at the same time here. So the notion that any one person is a "quote unquote" you know expert on this, I think, is is wrong. Uh, and I also think that you know the public expects their elected leaders to lead. Someone has to lead. Someone has to make a hard decision that you don't exactly know how it's going to work out. But I think. We're clearly at a point now where the public has been dealing with this for a year, uh, and I think that we we need, whether people are, I know people are scared, some people are concerned still, but we need to move towards reopening. We need to get back to school five days a week. It shouldn't take a judge to force a school district to to offer five days a week uh, lessons lessons to children, uh, to parents who pay taxes. To that school district, it shouldn't take one person, the governor, deciding. Yeah, okay, today I'm going to reopen and get businesses back opening. Get people, you know, and and you can not wear a mask uh, out outside uh, or even indoors if you've been fully vaccinated. You know, we shouldn't be waiting on these kind of uh, of ways to make decisions. We should collectively be able to say we should be pushing to reopen and get back to uh, some sense of normal. As soon as possible. And there just doesn't seem to be a political appetite, certainly within the majority parties in Albany, uh, to do that. They are content and have been content to let the governor make these decisions. They let him bear the criticism, but they also, I guess, are are happy to let him get, I guess, whatever credit uh, at this point uh, uh, in reopening.
5: When do you see that changing? Uh, When does the tide start to shift to the other direction? You know, neighboring states like Pennsylvania, Ohio, we're talking next month where these restrictions are going to come off. Uh, Is it something like that where you look just across a state border and see that things are kind of going on normal and they're all of a sudden getting events maybe that aren't coming to New York? Is it um, I, I have a ticket for a concert at the end of August in our park. I'm assuming that it's going to go on kind of as normal as I've enjoyed in the past. Uh, I, you know, is it maybe when that doesn't happen or maybe looking at like the Taste of Buffalo or one of these uh, different events, uh, the Blue Jays game where the state's rules do not at all uh, go in line with what the CDC is recommending, where fully vaccinated people still have to wear a mask even when they're outdoors. Uh, where do you see that tipping point where people are starting to raise their hand on this?
1: Well, I think amongst the public, I think we're there. I mean, I think you're starting to see that now for all the reasons you sort of outlined. Neighboring states, you know, are, are opening certainly much quicker than New York. Uh, and I think once you start opening, once you start opening something, right, as some of these restrictions start to, to fade away, I think it just becomes very difficult to to keep and you know once you let the, your your finger off the off the valve so to speak. I think it just becomes very difficult to to keep things locked down. I think people are are eager to get back out there. I just don't think they're elected officials. Um, I think that whether it's the politics, whether it's just the last year, uh, we've all sort of been locked into this. You know. Um, you know, you got to stay socially distanced at all times. You got to, you know, obviously you want to wear masks and you, you got to take certain precautions. But I think it's almost become uh, an end in and of itself, rather than an end, you know, to some other, you know, some bridge to some other end. Uh, and obviously, that's become politicized as well over the last year. And so maybe it's just that everyone's in their their camp. But I think most people out there that I talk to, and I don't even know what their political affiliation is when I talk to regular folks in my district across the state, they seem overwhelmingly ready to start getting back to some sense of normalcy. And I think as other states uh, are open, New York runs the risk, if we don't, of losing events, of losing business. You know, at some point, businesses are going to say, look, it, this, this state over here where I have a, a facility is wide open and has been. Um, maybe we're just going to move a bunch of more jobs over there where it's safe for people to go back to work or where they're allowed to go back to work. Or you can go to a concert or you can go to a, you know, a, a sporting venue or school is open uh, five days a week. I mean, at some point, you can't keep this going. Uh, and I do think I do think the governor is going to be under immense pressure from his own scandals. He's going to be looking for continued diversions as well as he's going to be under pressure from neighboring states that are open uh, to reopen New York state. Um, but people should remember, right, I, I, I hope people do remember who it was that wanted to, to, to keep them locked down, but also who it was that just simply were unwilling to step forward and do
0: the job that they were elected to do.
5: Rob, we appreciate the time this morning. That's Rob Ort, State Senate Minority Leader, joining us on WBEN.
0: And that was from Friday's uh, New Morning with Susan Rose and Brian Mazurowski. Returns tomorrow, 5 a.m., happening on thursday cdc director rochelle walensky said that if you are fully vaccinated you no longer have to wear the mask you can get back to life as usual or close to normal from how you were february 2020 she was on this week with martha raddatz talking about that here are a few clips of CDC Director Rochelle Walensky defending the new mask guidance for vaccinated Americans. We also talked to Dr. Tom Russo from the Jacobs School of Medicine about this in the first segment. If you missed any of that, it's available online at WBEN.com.
6: It was just Tuesday when you sat before a Senate committee and you were adamant then that masking and social distancing should remain in place. But The Washington Post is reporting you had already approved a decision to change the guidance. When it was finally announced on Thursday, it came as a huge surprise and left some administration officials, doctors, businesses off guard. So why so suddenly and why did you not tell the Senate panel what you had decided?
7: Thank you. Good morning, Marsha. Thanks, Martha. Thanks for having me. I am, you know. First of all, let's celebrate this moment. Um, We're at a place in this pandemic. Cases have been coming down um, more than a third just in the last two weeks. We have vaccine now across this country, widely available for anyone who wants it. And we now have science that has really just evolved even in the last two weeks that demonstrates that these vaccines are safe, they are effective, they are working in the population just as they did in the clinical trials, that they are working against our variants that we have here circulating in the United States, and that if you were to develop an infection, even if you got vaccinated, that you can't transmit that infection to other people. Some of that science was really evolving as late as last Thursday. And one of the published one of the papers, the largest paper was published from the CDC just the day before yesterday. So we were actively reviewing that science during the past week. We were making decisions and moving, moving. And our subject matter experts were working just as I was testifying in front of Congress. And those that was what was happening. I told the American people I deliver the
6: you said on Friday that the CDC is empowering the American people to make their own decisions about their own health. But this is all on the honor system. And there are people who refuse to get vaccinated, about a quarter of the country, and who oppose mask wearing, who could see this as a green light to go wherever they want, putting others at risk, especially in those indoor settings, including children and the immunocompromised.
7: So, um... This is a really important point, and that is The guidance that we released on Thursday is about individuals and what individuals are at risk of doing if they are not vaccinated. If they're vaccinated, they are safe. If they are not vaccinated, they are not safe. They should still be wearing a mask or, better yet, get vaccinated. We also need to say that this is not permission for widespread removal of masks. For those who are vaccinated, it may take some time for them to feel comfortable removing their masks, but also that these decisions have to be made at the jurisdictional level, at the community level. have been hit harder than others, have lower vaccination rates than others. We wanted to deliver the science at the individual level, but we also understand that these decisions have to be made at the community level.
6: Let's talk about the unmasked and the unvaccinated. Lisa Maragakis, an infection disease specialist from Johns Hopkins, told The Washington Post, there is no way to know who is vaccinated and who is not in most scenarios. The likely result is that almost no one will wear a mask. She went on to say that the risk to the unvaccinated would dramatically increase as most stop masking. Do you dispute that?
7: What I would say is, those unvaccinated people need to work to protect themselves, need to continue to mask, and, better yet, need to get vaccinated. What we're asking our businesses um, as to do, as they are starting to think about the guidance as to what this means for their workplaces, is to make it easy for paid time off for their employees to get vaccinated.
6: But COVID is undeniably still a threat. And CDC has consistently shown a scientific evidence that says you are much safer if two Two people in a room have masks on? So if you are unvaccinated in that room and someone
7: else comes in without a mask, you're not as safe. What we would say is, if you're unvaccinated in that room, you should get vaccinated. Now, the the challenge here is that not everybody is eligible for vaccination, so we still have children under the age of 11, and um, you know they should obviously still be wearing masks. So, if you're unvaccinated, we are saying wear a mask, um, continue to distance if you're uh, if you're unvaccinated, and um, and practice all of those mitigation strategies for the unvaccinated. I want to be very clear. But Our but who is to supposed to who all, is who
6: is supposed to be the vaccination police? You look at Costco and Walmart, these essential workers. What are they supposed to do? they again, there's a quarter of the country that says they will not get vaccinated.
7: We are asking people to take their health into their own hands, to get vaccinated. And if they don't, then they continue to be at risk. For the unvaccinated, our policy has not changed. This, we were going to get to a place in this pandemic where vaccinated people were going to be able to take off their masks. We're lucky to be there with the science that we have. And now we have to take this foundational step that is completely based in science and understand what it means as we open the entire country.
5: That
0: was CDC Director Rochelle Walensky speaking with Martha Raddatz. After her appearance on This Week, Martha Raddatz talked to Rebecca Jarvis about the response from businesses on the CDC's latest mask guidelines.
6: Businesses really were caught off guard by the new CDC guidelines, causing some real confusion. But ultimately, are businesses happy about this overall? Well, good morning, Martha. The the reality here is if you are running a business or managing people, your job over this last year has been a hybrid of putting out fires and behaving as a therapist to your employees. And for a lot of the businesses, they were caught off guard by this signal. The fact that it came out of the blue and wasn't telegraphed over time as an on and off switch became something of an issue for them to manage with their employees. But overall, the businesses I'm talking to, the CEOs, the founders of companies are happy about this because it signals. Martha are returned to normal businesses really were caught off
0: that was Rebecca Jarvis speaking with Martha Raddatz about businesses and the new mask guidelines from the CDC now Walmart Trader Joe's and Costco have said that they will allow vaccinated customers to shop without a mask now that doesn't go for the Walmart or Trader Joe's here in western New York or in New York state because the mask mandate has not been lifted. The last we heard from the governor was they were reviewing the CDC guidelines and uh, have not made a decision on that mask mandate. We are one of six states that have not set a date or a metric When the mask mandate will go away, when we will get back to normal. One of only six states. So you see this news about the businesses allowing shoppers who are vaccinated to shop maskless. That does not go for New York State. All right. We will be back here tomorrow morning, starting at 5 a.m. with a new morning. B-Maz and Beamer at 9. David Bellavia at 10. Tom Bowerly at 2. And... Tom Puckett with Buffalo's Evening News at 6. I hope everyone has a great Sunday. Take advantage of this beautiful weather. I'll talk to you tomorrow right here on WBEN.